Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. You guys are going to absolutely love today's episode with Amina Altai. We talk a lot about entrepreneurship and tips for entrepreneurs, but most of these tips can really apply to anyone and everyone. If you have a creative aspect of your life, if you work, if you have limiting beliefs you need to work through, definitely listen to this episode because we talk about all of that and more. But before I hop into today's interview, I want to tell you about a couple of products that help power me up as an entrepreneur. And those come from Beekeepers Naturals, one of my favorite companies ever. This has seriously changed my life. And if you have not already listened to my episode with the founder of Beekeepers Naturals, Carly Stein, that's episode 206, I highly recommend you listen as soon as you can because in that episode, Carly dives deep into the many health benefits of these different bee products and how you can use them to their full potential. If you follow me on social media, you've probably seen me using some of these products. I use Beekeepers Naturals products every single day, and the first one that I fell in love with was their Bee Propolis Spray, which is something I think every single person needs to have in their medicine cabinet. I use it every single day. I do 5 to 10 sprays in the morning and then 5 to 10 sprays in the afternoon, sometimes more in the evening, and if I'm traveling or extra stressed out, I up my dose even more. First of all, it tastes delicious. I just like spraying it, but it has a ton of health benefits. It is amazing for immunity and supporting your immune system. Propolis is the immune system of the hive. It has so many incredible germ-fighting properties and contains over 300 beneficial vitamins, minerals, and compounds. It is great for immune support in general if you're looking to prevent any sickness, but also if you do catch a cold or you get sick, if you have a sore throat or cough, you can use this to help heal it much more quickly. Whenever I get sick, I am just downing the propolis. It's also just great for fighting free radical damage. Anytime you're overly stressed, if you are an entrepreneur or if you just have any type of job, because all types of jobs can be pretty stressful. If you're traveling, if you are an athlete, if your immune system is just compromised because of your lifestyle, definitely get this propolis and start using it every day. Also, if you have autoimmunity, Carly shares her story with how much this helped her immune system with her autoimmune disease, and I found also that this helps a lot with my autoimmune symptoms and same with my clients. It's also great if you're fighting gut infections, if you have candida overgrowth, the propolis can really help fight those. Another product I use every single day from Beekeepers Naturals is their bee-powered hive superfood complex. I just take a spoonful every single day. It tastes like 
honey on steroids in the best way. It's like honey with a little twist. It contains all of the superfoods in the hive. It contains propolis for the immune system, royal jelly for the brain support and skin benefits, bee pollen for the protein and energy, and of course, their raw enzymatic honey. I take this every single day as I would any daily supplement or as if it's a multivitamin. It's not a multivitamin, but I love that it gives me all of those benefits and it comes in medicinal dosages. So you just need that teaspoon. And also because it's so healing, it's great as a face mask. So if your skin is really inflamed or under attack, or I have a friends and clients who have eczema, psoriasis, and this can really help calm it down as a face mask if you mix it with water. The Bee Powered is something I have every single day. I look forward to having my spoonful in the morning and it just powers me up for the rest of the day. And another product I have been using a lot recently because I really need my brain to uh, fire up is their Beelixir Brain Fuel. This is a nootropic formula that can help to enhance your memory, your performance, your cognition. So if you are looking for the benefits of caffeine, but you don't want the actual caffeine, make sure you check out the Beelixir. It comes in a little vial. You can have half a vial to a full vial, and it works best if you consume it with a meal with some fat because it is fat soluble, and it just really turns your brain on. My focus is better. My memory is better. Concentration. I definitely notice a difference, and I love that it doesn't give me the jitters that caffeine does. So this is definitely a must-have if you really want to boost your brain. And of course, you can always go for one of the classic bee products like their honey. I love their bee chill hemp honey for at night. It's great to wind down in the evening and also support sleep by replenishing your glycogen stores. So that can help you sleep through the night. Or if you're a chocolate lover, I highly recommend the superfood cacao honey. It's got some cacao in there. I just had some the other night on top of berries and it was amazing. These products can seriously transform your health. You take them every day, you will notice a difference. Definitely check out my episode with Carly, episode 206, to learn more about bee products because this is an overlooked biohack that I really think everyone needs to take advantage of. If you want to try out Beekeepers Naturals products, just go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash CRW and my discount code CRW will get you 15% off. Again, that's beekeepersnaturals.com. B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash CRW and my code CRW will get you 15% off. And speaking of firing up your brain, let's talk about today's amazing guest, Amina Altai. She is a holistic business and mindset coach and corporate trainer. So she focuses on coaching entrepreneurs and takes a mind, body, and business approach, helping them to work through any blocks in mindset, focus on what their bodies need to be successful in work and in life, and just goes over a ton of different strategies and tactics to use in business to help you thrive as a business person and an overall individual. I love her approach because she focuses on concrete business advice as well as promoting the health of your body and your mind. She takes a really holistic approach and we get into some spiritual topics, which I absolutely love. We're talking about shadow work and also marketing tactics, the most common blocks that women face and men face in business. And even though she works mainly with entrepreneurs, especially creative entrepreneurs, 
a lot of this will really apply to everybody and give you a lot of interesting things to talk about in the context of your own life and any blocks you have in reaching any goals that you might have set for yourself. So whether or not you are a creative entrepreneur, I know that you are going to get a lot of value out of this episode. Amina is absolutely amazing. I am obsessed with her. I told her after this episode, after we talked, I was like, I'm so obsessed with you. We need to be friends. She just has the most beautiful energy and aura and it just really draws you in and she is so caring and loving and down to earth and I love her approach. So definitely make sure you check out all of her content as well. You can find her at aminaaltai.com. That will be in the show notes, of course, and also on Instagram at aminaaltai. I cannot say enough great things about her. She is such a bright light in this space and has such incredible insight and is so kind and genuine and she's definitely somebody that you should be following if you're not already. So now that you know a little bit more about what we will be chatting about, let's go ahead and hop into the interview. So I'm Amina Altai, and I'm a holistic business and mindset coach, and I help people feel really good in the context of their work, whether they're starting their own company or it's in a larger organization, and I do it through what I call a mind, body, and business approach, so looking at what's happening in our mindset and where the barriers are there, looking at what's happening in our bodies and the messages that they're constantly sending us, because so many of us, especially nowadays, can be so disembodied, Um, and then also looking at the strategies and tactics that we use either in our business or in our careers that set us up for success or not so much. Um, And I basically arrived at this work because I spent a long time feeling really terrible in my work, Um, you know, whether it was in my own business or working for other people. And for about 10 years, I worked in marketing. Um, For seven of those years, I had my own marketing agency. And I basically had this major crash and burn. I was taking care of all these employees and clients and just not taking care of myself. And I ended up developing two autoimmune diseases. And that sort of started the journey where I was like, okay, like I definitely need to take better care of myself. But I also recognized that I really wasn't connected to my truth, my purpose. And that was causing a tremendous amount of stress too. So the work that I do is really about connecting people to their purpose. Like I believe that we're all here for a reason. What's that reason for you so that life unfolds with ease and grace because when we're not connected to that purpose, we're literally white knuckling our way through through our lives and we're not getting what we want and we're so frustrated because of it and we're so sick because of it and we're so disgruntled and that's not the world that I want to live in. I want everyone to feel so connected to themselves and to their fire. Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, let's go back to when you were in marketing um, and you developed two autoimmune diseases. Tell me about that period. Yeah. So it was like pretty traumatic. So you know how basically like the universe or your body will whisper and then like then it finally yells because you're not listening to the whispers. So (laughs) there were all these whispers for a really long time, just like little nudges like that I wasn't doing well. But I was just like, no, I, I don't have time to address this. Just keep going. Just keep going. And I was very driven by achievement. And it was totally connected to a lack of self worth and needing to be seen and like really coming from ego. Um, and I'd done a lot of shadow work to kind of move through that. But Anyway, so my body was whispering, then finally it yelled. And, um, you know, one day I was just so sick, I could like barely get out of bed. And so finally went to the doctor. And then she called me about a week later. And at the time, I was driving out to a client in Connecticut. And she basically was like, if you don't go to the hospital now, instead of going to that client, you're days away from multiple organ failure. So I'd basically become so sick, so malnourished from these mismanaged autoimmune conditions that my body wasn't assimilating any nutrients. And I was literally at death's door. 
And then that was the moment that I had to like put down the baggage and just re-examine my relationship with work and with food and movement and stress and an achievement too. And like how I derived my sense of self and my sense of self-worth. And, you know, that's why I teach this because I understand that extreme pain and frustration of disconnection and how it manifests. Mm-hmm. So where, tell me, talk more about this self-worth piece. Like where did yeah. it start for, for you? Where was that rooted in? You know, and I didn't get to this discovery until a little bit later in my path, right? So I, f- I think that we all have entry points in our healing journey. And for me, it was like food and movement, right? I was like, okay, like, and it was like, what, like, I don't know, 2010, when people were just starting to like, when the wellness movement was really just starting to boom. And so like food and healthy movement were really my entry points. And then I was getting better, but I still wasn't getting to that place where I felt like myself, where I felt really well, where I felt really vibrant. And then eventually I went to meditation and meditation was so amazing because it was like a real opportunity to connect with my intuition. And in my meditations, I was getting all of these like questions or nudges that's like dig deeper, dig deeper. There's something bigger here. And a friend of mine introduced me to, are you familiar with Lacey Phillips? Yes. Yeah. So she's a manifestation guide and she's really big into shadow work. And so my friend introduced me to Lacey. I had a session with Lacey, which was so powerful and amazing. And Lacey was like, you really need to do shadow work. And so then I dove into this body of work and it was just so incredible because I realized that there are all these wounds and these unhealed pieces and parts of me based on, you know, how I'd grown up and my formative years and the family system and cultures and subcultures, the whole thing. And I had this whole story about myself and based on that story, I was sourcing my self-worth in a certain way. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I'm half Iraqi, half Welsh. I was born in London. I'm a middle child. And as a kid, I was like, I was really heavy and I was kind of like the ugly duckling of the family. And so the only way that I was seen was if I like really did well in school. So like very early on, I, I realized like if I push myself super hard, if I achieve all these things, if I'm the smart one, like I'll be safe, I'll be lovable. And it was a story that I basically carried forward into all areas of my life, especially work, and then just kind of continued to source my self-worth or be seen in that space. And until I healed the wounds and until I rewrote the story, I was just in search of that validation no matter what the cost. So what's the process like to rewrite that story and do that work? I mean, it's liberating. It's hard work. I'm not going to lie to you, right? Shadow work is we're looking at these disowned pieces and parts of ourselves. And oftentimes we don't want to go into the shadows for because it's scary or we were making it mean something about ourselves. But it's the most liberating work I think you can do. If someone wants to get in, get into that and do that, what, what do you recommend? Like what steps do they take? So uh, two, th- two things I would recommend. So there's an amazing book called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, and it's by Debbie Ford. And that based so shadow work is based on Carl Jung and Jungian shadow theory, and that's heady and heavy. And so Debbie Ford basically takes those philosophies, those teachings, and distills them down in a way that's really easy to understand. So I think that's a beautiful entry point. And then also, I totally recommend working with Lacey Phillips, and she has a she has like a ton of digital programs um, that really dig into subconscious beliefs and blocks and all of these amazing things. I think those are two beautiful places to start. Okay, I love that. And so what autoimmune diseases did you have? Uh, Hashimoto's and celiac disease. Okay. And do you think that was all triggered like emotionally, psychologically or lifestyle? Or what, what do you think in terms of triggers? 
You know, I think it was everything, but I do think one of the biggest triggers is just being like so disconnected from myself and really sourcing that self-worth outside of myself because I was trying to force life to happen in a way, you know, I was basically consciously controlling, not consciously creating. And I think that when we're forcing life to happen in that way, we're using all this fuel and this energy that we don't have. And so, of course, it's going to manifest as disease. Mm-hmm. What about in terms of, like, did you change your diet, lifestyle, anything else? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. So what did that look like? Yeah. So when I was first diagnosed with celiac disease, obviously I cut out gluten and then I cut out dairy. Um, Now I mostly eat, like, plant-based, probably closest to paleo. Um, I'm really avoidant of grains and things like that. Just they tend for my body to cause flare-ups. And then in terms of lifestyle changes – you know, movement has always been very important to me because it's a great way to process emotion, but making sure I'm very consistent in my movement and I vary the types of movement. And it's from this like really loving place in my body, um, and meditation for sure. And one of the things that I have really realized it's so helpful is like, sometimes we can do all the things and all the stuff, right? Like you and I, I'm sure we have all the tools, right? We know exactly what to do. But one of the things that I found that I was doing was like really instrumentalizing my body at a certain point. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give it like all the adaptogens, all the beautiful foods, all the amazing workouts. But because I wanted to do this thing for me, it wasn't like from this place of love. It was like, I'm going to give you all these things because I want you to show up so I can give this talk and I can do this work. And, and I was like, wow, that's so manipulative. And so even though I was doing these really great things for my body, coming to that realization of like, you know, instrumentalizing or using my body in this manipulative way and like put changing that mindset was really powerful for me too. I think that's a great point. And I think a lot of people, they say, no, it's from a place of love. You know, why I'm making these choices and they're, they're fooling themselves. Totally. And we've all been there, like lying to ourselves. Like I, I love all of, I love this hundred reps and I love this. <laughs> it's like, are you forcing this to happen? Are you like beating your body up versus loving it through something? It's, it's a very different feeling. I think it's also hard for people to understand that same action, different intention can bring completely different results. Yeah. That's so, I love what you just said. Like that's such a beautiful tweetable. Like, <laughs> like put on a shirt mean yeah that's like so beautiful um but it's so true that same action different intention totally different result and that's been very true for me and in terms of managing uh my autoimmune disease like right now I actually don't have antibodies for either which my doctor's like you know that's amazing and I think it's a testament to really the mindset work more than anything what got you into that though because I feel like a lot of people they typically you know they they change their nutrition and their exercise, other lifestyle, but it usually takes people longer to get to the mindset, spirituality piece of things. Have you always been interested in that or kind of what made you aware of that work? I feel like it's part of my divine assignment because, you know, anytime I'm out of integrity with my mindset, my emotions, spirituality, anything like that, I feel it in my body. Like my body takes a hit. And so anytime something's going on with my body, I'm like, okay, wait, I'm out of integrity somewhere with my mindset. And so When I first was diagnosed, like I said, I made all these lifestyle changes, but I wasn't really getting better. I wasn't feeling any different. I was still struggling or I'd have like new conditions or challenges with health. And so it really encouraged me to look at these different areas. It wasn't about the physical stuff or the tools anymore. Okay. I love that. So walk me through. Okay. So you go to, you're in marketing yeah, and then you get diagnosed with the autoimmune diseases Yep, and then you switch careers. Well, so it was actually a bit bit more of a twisty journey than that. So 
So basically, I was running my own agency at the time that I had co-founded with a business partner. And so at the point that I was diagnosed, I was like, okay. And I kind of known for a while that stuff wasn't working for me, but I was like, here's the opportunity for me to put my stake in the ground. So I sold my percentage of the business to my business partner. And I knew that I wanted to do something in entrepreneurship, but I like wasn't sure what it was and I needed to kind of stand on solid ground. So I went in-house to run marketing for two different wellness brands. And at the same time, I went back to school to study. To I did a health coaching certification. I did a, a meditation certification. I did um, a somatic certification, and then eventually went to a coaching certification. And so I was basically trying on all these things for size and trying to understand. Like I loved this knowledge, but did I want to be teaching it? And um, and so after basically taking those two roles at those two different wellness companies, I decided I wanted to create a corporate wellness business. So to t- teach people in corporate America how to live well and whole. Um, and then I did that for about a year. But again, I was like, you know what? This is a piece of what I want to teach and this is a piece of me, but it's not the whole puzzle. And so I sat down on my meditation cushion and I was like, okay, I know this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Like inspire me, speak through me, speak to me. And basically I got this intuitive hit that I needed to be, I need to design my own curriculum. I needed to kind of put together the business background and the wellness work and teach from that space that was like really authentic to me. So I designed my own curriculum and then basically started the business that I'm in now and, um, you know, started the one-on-one coaching, the corporate coaching and all of those good things. Why focus specifically on like entrepreneurs and, you know, business people versus just, you know, a lot of people like they'll coach in terms of just someone who wants to be healthy, but like, Why do you like focusing on other business people? So I believe that we teach from the stories of our lives. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle for me was sourcing my self-worth from my doing versus my being. So being really connected to work, whether it was in an organization or my own work and what that meant for me and how I filled myself up. So it's really important for me to work with people that have had sort of the, the similar trajectory or pitfall where they feel like they're sourcing their self-worth outside of themselves and usually versus like via their doing, um, via their work. So it's a very specific mindset. Mm -hmm. And, um, like I said, I've been there and (laughs) I've really struggled through that and pulled myself out of that. And I feel like those are the people that I can help in the biggest way. What is your typical client like? Like describe that to me. Yeah. So amazing women. Um, so I have a couple male clients, but it's mostly women. And I would say they're really impact driven. So they know that they want to shape the world in some way. They want to leave it better than they found it in some way, but maybe they're not exactly clear on what that way is. And some of them like me will have had, you know, physical illness and it's an opportunity to reevaluate their careers. Some of them, you know, will feel like resistance in their mindset and they're super over a certain career and they want to transition to a new one or build their own. But they're all really impact driven, heart centered, soul centered, amazing women. Like I love all of them and people that I choose to work where there are people that I want to be nurturing for a lifetime. And, and that's how I view my clients. And so, um, I feel very lucky. They're all awesome. <laughs> and are they all doing different types of businesses? Are they all in the wellness space or? So a lot in the wellness space. So I have healers, I have uh, health coaches, I have a lot of creatives. So like graphic designers, illustrators, um, jewelry designers, 
Um, it kind of runs the gamut, but I do see some threads. So definitely the wellness world. And then I see people that also were in careers sort of adjacent to my marketing work. Mm, okay. So when working with someone like this, what, what do you find are usually the most common roadblocks that they're facing? So a lot of it is self-worth and like really rooting in our self-worth and believing that we are worthy to do this work or to change the world or even to command certain price points. I think there's a lot of imposter syndrome and particularly in the wellness world too. A lot of us are sort of questioning our gifts. You know, are they even real? Are they valuable enough? Should I be charging for them? And, you know, so much of the work that I do is around that and rooting in worth and rooting in the fact that you are here to deliver something really inspiring and powerful. And there's such value to that. Yeah, I, I did really want to talk to you about imposter syndrome, because I feel like this just pops up with every single person I talk to. And it can be really hard in this space, like where you feel like a million people are saying the same thing as you. Yeah. Um, or also, you know, for example, I as like, a nutritionist, you know, I talk to other nutritionists who are like, how can I help people when I still have my own health issues, you know, Mm -hmm. and talk, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Like, how are you help someone work through that imposter syndrome? Yeah, that's so great. So I'm going to take sort of a two pronged approach. Mm -hmm. So the how we move through the imposter syndrome, and then how we teach when we haven't necessarily figured everything out. So I mean, imposter syndrome comes up oftentimes, it's connected to our wounds and our shadow for sure. So that's just an invitation to dig a little deeper into the shadow work a little deeper into what our old story is and an opportunity to rewrite it. And then you know, when it comes to this idea of, you know, how can I, you know, teach or how can I coach or whatever it is, if I haven't solved my own stuff. And I think it's really important to be super honest. And, you know, we haven't none of us have it all figured out, right? But we might be a couple steps ahead of somebody else. So what are the places that you have figured something out, even if it's something really specific, because there's somebody that's looking for that. So let's say, you know, for example, like if you had celiac disease and you're like, okay, I really got that piece, you know, down pat and I'm doing really well with that. Maybe I've got some other health stuff, but I can really support people specifically with celiac disease. So where are the places and spaces that you are fluent, that you are powerful and you are solutioned that you can help them move forward? And then the last thing that I'll say is that we discriminate in the how, the what and the who. So like you were saying, like there's a ton of nutritionists out there or there's a ton of people that are doing the work that you're doing, but they're not, they might be doing what you're doing, but they're not you, right? We're all snowflakes and we all connect to different people. So the how is like how you're serving something up. So like how you're delivering the message or how you're delivering the service. The what is like, you know, what it actually is, how it's actually manifested. And the who is you. So, you know, are you unique in the way that you're telling this message? Are a certain type of consumer going to connect with you versus, you know, a different type of nutritionist, let's say. So like in my work, for example, So I mentioned that I'm an immigrant, I'm half Iraqi, half Welsh, I work with a lot of women who are immigrants, and so or their first generation. And so because that's a very specific mindset, that the American dream means something very different. Uh, There's expect different expectations sometimes about what career should look like, or how we value ourselves. So it's really important to put those three pieces together. Because when you do, you recognize that we're all all so different. And we all have our own lanes. And there's just no need for any competition, because we're also different. Yeah. Do you find that the imposter syndrome and that kind of mindset block is more prevalent amongst women specifically? Like why, why is that, you know, I think it just is interesting with women, how we feel that way. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know the data on that. And I don't work with a tremendous amount of men. But the men that I have worked with have not uh, experienced it in the way that my female clients have for sure. With men, do you, like what's kind of the difference there? Like, what do you notice? Do they have different mindset blocks? You know, I spent, so I have a five month coaching program and there is a curriculum that we go through every month Mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't want to overly generalize, but I do notice that I spend more time in certain areas of the curriculum with men versus women. So, um, you know, one of the first things that I do, if somebody is an entrepreneur and they want to create their own company and their own body of work, I do this milestone exercise because I believe that we sort of shape our businesses from the story of our lives and these certain milestones that we've had, they inform our perspective. And so this exercise for men is so hard. I don't know if it's because they have difficulty remembering like the early years, but like the story of their lives and these points that have shaped them, it's like I'm asking them to solve like the hardest math equation that's like unsolvable. Um, And it's just so interesting to me, just the difference in how we um, move through life and how we take in information and how we allow it to shape us. It's very interesting. That doesn't surprise me just because I feel like, women like overanalyze everything and like our past and men just kind of roll through life and like I don't know I just am the way I am and they have more often than not yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's so interesting so with that you notice you spend more time there but what about with women where are you spending more time Definitely on the imposter syndrome, the wounds, the mindset blocks, a lot of stuff around money with women actually um And so that's going to be one of my latest bodies of work. I'm actually working on a digital course around money mindset right now. But, you know, and it's tied to imposter syndrome and it's tied to the wounds and it's tied to self-worth and value. Um, And so that's a big piece of what I work through with women, really anchoring and rooting in their value, feeling worthy enough to, you know, ask for certain rates or make a certain amount of money um, and healing any old belief systems or moving them out of the way that are getting in the way of, of them achieving their highest potential, basically. Yeah, can we unpack that a little bit more? Because I really want to talk about the money mindset. And I I, I don't know, I think it's something I just don't really relate to. I never really had that problem. Like, I love that. Yeah, so it's just good for me. But also, it's something that's hard for me to relate to. Um, And so I would love for you to kind of unpack that a little bit more. And like, what are those limiting beliefs? Like where they usually come from? Um, And why with women specifically, do you think that's such an issue? Yeah. So, you know, everyone's different, right? So I don't want to like overly generalize and say that only women have these, you know, mindset challenges around money. Um, I do notice it a lot in my practice. And so, you know, some examples might be, um, we, we get a lot of our programming from the family system, from cultures, subcultures, the societies that we grow up in. So if, for example, um, you know, uh, a woman that I'm working with was raised by a stay at home mom and she was reliant on the male for money. She might have a belief system that she can't make her own money and she needs to attach herself to a male figure who will make the money for her. It's just how her belief system might have been shaped. So those early years, those formative years really do impact our belief system around money. But research today is actually saying that we used to think that formative years were years zero through eight. And nowadays, depending on who you talk to, some people will say they go all the way up to 22. So even our first experiences in negotiating salary might impact our beliefs around money and how much we think we're worth. So it's just really important to dig into the story, whether it's the familial story or, you know, the work story and just understand, you know, why we think that we're worthy or not worthy. But so much of it does go back to family and what we witnessed, um, you know, for our mothers or our fathers and what the conversation was around money in the family system too. So, you know, another example might be, 
you know, if somebody feels like really scarce and like they can't earn a lot of money and, you know, we dig into the family history and we see that she grew up in a family system where money was always tight. And the conversation was that only a certain type of person has money or, you know, money equals something negative that forms and impacts the belief system too. So it's all about beliefs basically. (laughs) Yeah. And do you find that just helping someone recognize that belief usually does the job or are you doing work from there to change it or kind of, you know, say someone's listening to this and they're like, Oh wait, I have that belief. I recognize it now. Is that usually enough to help fix it? Or like, what do you do from there once you recognize it? Yeah, it's a great question. So I believe that awareness is like 70 or 80% of it. So amazing. If you're like, Oh my God, I had this great insight. But then to really see lasting change, we need to shift behavior, we need to shift actions. And a lot of that has to happen on the subconscious level, too. So when we have these insights and these realizations, I invite people to take it into meditation, or to like listen to theta waves as they're doing this work to really try and take it in at a subconscious level to be able to change the way that their brain receives this subject matter. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, I talk a lot about like, even just with language, I'm like, if you can just change your language, like, if I hear one more person say, I can't afford it, I yeah. don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, well, you're definitely never going to be able to afford it if you keep saying you can't afford it. Totally. And, you know, everything goes back to values, too. I think it's so funny, like, especially around the conversation of, like, can't afford it. But, you know, people will be like, oh, I can't afford this. But then they'll be like, okay, but I'm going to go on this, like, $10,000 vacation yeah. or, like, I'm going to go buy wildly expensive handbag and you're like okay cool like that's what you value and that's how you decided to allocate your money but it's not necessarily this conversation of I can't it's I choose not to mm-hmm. which is very different we are going to take a brief pause from this awesome conversation to talk about today's sponsor for a second because this is one you definitely need to have in your life if you don't already and that is just thrive probiotics I am very passionate about the topic of probiotics because it kills me to see how many people are throwing away their money consuming a probiotic that is either not doing anything for them or maybe doing more harm than good. When it comes to probiotics, quality absolutely matters and I would rather you not take any probiotic than take one that is not legit. And there are so many fakes out there on the market. A lot of probiotics, when studied, do not even contain the strains that they claim to on the label. Some don't have anything that are actually making it alive into your intestines and helping to improve your gut flora. That's why a lot of people don't really notice a big difference when they take probiotics or maybe they notice things even get worse. And again, quality matters. That's why I love Just Thrive Probiotic. This is the probiotic I recommend to people whenever they ask me what to take, and it has totally changed my life as well as so many of my clients and friends and family, and Just Thrive is different than most probiotics on the market because it has the science behind it. It is a spore probiotic formula. It has four bacillus strains. These are the most well-studied probiotic strains in terms of safety and efficacy that have been used for over 60 years. And that spore formulation is going to actually survive the harsh gastric environment of the stomach and make it 100% alive to the intestines. 
unlike most other probiotics on the market. Another reason why I love Just Thrive specifically is that it has been shown in human clinical trials to actually help heal leaky gut. It can help to heal leaky gut in just 30 days. And science suggests that over 65% of Americans have a leaky gut, which is really the root cause of most major chronic illnesses in the Western world, including autoimmune diseases, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, dementia, and more. But personally, I would argue that probably more than 65% of Americans have leaky gut. It is more prevalent than not, and almost everybody could use a high-quality probiotic in their routine just for all of the health benefits. Obviously, a probiotic can help with your digestion if you have any digestive issues, but it does a lot more in the body as well. It is amazing for helping to modulate the immune system, which is really important, of course, for overall health, avoiding any sicknesses, but also avoiding immune responses like allergies and food sensitivities. Oftentimes, people think that seasonal allergies are actually their environment, but seasonal allergies are actually rooted in your gut health. And over 80% of our immune system is found in the gut. So that's why it's so important to have a high quality probiotic like Just Thrive so that you can maintain your overall optimal health. Just Thrive probiotic strains also help to improve the production of short chain fatty acids, which can result in less fat storage, higher fat burn, improved insulin sensitivity, improved satiety, and reduced gut and systemic inflammation. Besides helping with weight loss, avoiding allergies, it can also be an amazing mood booster. 90% of our serotonin, which affects our mood, social behavior, appetite, sleep, memory, and more, is produced in the gut. If you struggle with depression or anxiety, it's really important to look at your gut health and having a high-quality probiotic like Just Thrive is ideal. If you're an athlete or if you struggle with joint pain in general, a probiotic can be really, really helpful to also add into your routine. But pretty much everybody needs this to support their immune system, to support their gut health. The gut is a key to overall health. And the strains in Just Thrive are so stable that they don't have to be refrigerated. Probiotics that need to be refrigerated are too sensitive and definitely are not going to make it through your body all the way to your intestines without dying if they are that unstable. Just Thrive has been shown to make it there and that's why you actually notice the difference. So if you are interested in trying out Just Thrive, they have recently changed their website. You can find that now at justthrivehealth.com which means I made a new bit.ly link because I make a bit.ly link for all of my favorite companies. So you can go to bit.ly slash justthrivechristina and my code Christina15, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-1-5 will get you 15% off your purchase. So again, make sure you are going to their new website, which you can reach at bit.ly slash justthrivechristina and my code Christina15, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-1-5 will get you 15% off. Take one of these a day and your life will change. Or if you can't do one a day, then do one every other day or one every few days. And I'm going to have one of the founders of Just Thrive on in a future podcast episode where we will dive deep into all of these topics. So stay tuned for that one. I really truly care about you and I care about your health. And this is an important piece of it, taking care of your gut. And that is why I love Just Thrive Probiotic. Okay, now that we've covered 
why you need to support your gut health and take care of yourself and why I love Just Thrive, let's go ahead and hop back into this conversation with Amina Altai. Do you find that people are afraid to invest in themselves? I think that people are afraid to invest in themselves if, well, I think two things. So I think that there's fear to do this work because this work can be heavy, right? And sometimes we don't want to look at it and it's hard. And, you know, sometimes we really do have to sit in the discomfort and not everybody wants to do that or is ready to do that. And I totally respect that. Um, And then I do think that, you know, sometimes we resist it for, you know, outside forces or people around us or, you know, just not everybody's ready. And I think that there's a timing for everything. Everything's divinely timed. Mm. I'm curious, do you notice a difference in people's mindsets depending on their, their age? Like, I don't know. It's very interesting to me. I feel like this young, like the younger you get, the more people feel very entitled, I suppose, to certain things. I don't know. I just feel like in the relationship with money seems to be different depending on the age, but I don't know if you've, if you've noticed that. I haven't noticed that. I have clients that are like, you know, 24 to 60 Mm -hmm. and they're all super amazing humans. And I also have a criteria for, um, for people when I'm doing like client intakes. So for one-on-ones, like I I can't work with everybody. So, um, you know, I, I try to work with somebody that I know is ready to receive this work and is super open. And I think that's probably, you know, sort of the difference in the mindset and how they perceive money. You know, maybe they know they haven't had a great relationship with it historically, but they're ready to change it. They're ready to be open. They're ready to create the great work of their life. And, Um, yeah, so I haven't noticed the age thing, but I think it might be because I'm creating that criteria ahead of time. Yeah, probably. Okay. So we have imposter syndrome. We have relationship with money. Any other big ones that stand out to you? Let's see. I mean, those are some really big ones. Um, you know, sometimes in the career space, what I'll see too is a lot of depression because we're so disconnected from our truth. And when we spend our heartbeats and like days in, days out, so disconnected from the great work of our life or what we really want to do, I think it can really manifest as depression and, you know, feeling super anxious about going to a space every day where we're not fully seen or respected or understood. Um, so I think that's actually a big theme. So a lot of people do come to me like, and one of the symptoms is like, you know, extreme depression around work. Mm. Well, so you think because they're on the wrong job or because they're just not connected with their purpose or what is going on there? Yeah, both of those things. So if they're not really clear on like what they're called to do or how they're called to serve, of course, we're going to end up in the wrong job. And if we've never really sat down to ask ourselves like what we value, what brings us joy, what we're really genius at, then we're going to wind up in the spaces that don't value that in us too. And so I think it's really about like taking a pause and asking ourselves these deep questions and and then consciously choosing this, the places and spaces that we want to share our gifts. Mm-hmm. Um. I am curious how you help someone figure out their purpose. Yeah. So I actually have a five-step process that I take people through. Um, And it's one that I have, like it's a methodology that I've developed. And it is kind of looking at those things that I just alluded to. So um, I believe that we all have genius. 
And so many people are like, no way, like I'm excellent at things, but I don't have genius. A lot of people actually have, that's another thing that it's a theme in my coaching practice, this like resistance to owning their genius, because it comes so innately to most of us, we dismiss it or we throw it away as like, well, doesn't everybody have that? So really getting people clear on what their genius is that other people don't embody or, or bring to the world in the way that they do. Um, and aligning that with what lights them up, like what brings you joy? What makes you so incandescently happy that you could actually spend? day in, day out doing it and have unlimited energy for it. Um, and then what we value, values are so important. If we're not connected to our values in work, like we're not rooted in it, right? Like in my marketing career, I literally used to go there every day and be like, well, I'm not curing cancer. And like, nobody wants to work with a person who's like <laughs> not connected to their work like that, right? So it's really important that we embody our values day in, day out at work. And then um, aligning that with actually what we do. So how we spend our heartbeats and what it is we want to impact in the world. So that's a really big conversation. I think that's how I end up working with people that are really mission driven. And that's where I have the most interest is I want to work with the people that want to leave this world a little bit better than they found it. And so, you know, and, and that is connected to our purpose, right? That does get us to ask the questions. What am I here for? What am I here to solve? Or what am I here to support? What am I here to love? Um, so yeah, so it, it's that five-step process. Do you ever find that people, like, you talk about, like, what's something that you love? You could just do for hours, you know, and then people go into that career space, and then once it turns into, like, making money off of it, it makes them not love it anymore? So I would argue that there are either some limiting beliefs or mindset blocks in there, or other mindset blocks in there, right? So if we're not asking for what we need, right, if we're not paid well enough, we're giving away, you know, too many free sessions, or we don't feel respected, there's basically, so I believe that we all have nourishment codes. So like different, like different aspects of nourishment that we need in our lives to feel whole, fulfilled and nourished. So it could be food, it could be movement, it could be respect, it could be words of affirmation, it could be money, like we have these different nourishment codes. And so we have to define these codes for ourselves and say, when I do the great work of my life, how do I want people to meet that work? And that could be income, that could be respect, you know, we define it. So if you're saying I'm doing the great work of my life, but like now it doesn't feel so great anymore, I would argue you're not being fed in it. And so where are the places you've not been fed? And, and that's been true for me too. Like when I first came to this work, I was like, I want to be the world's best coach and didn't stop to think like, well, what do I need in the context of this work to feel amazing and had to ask myself those questions. I think that's a great point. And since you brought up the like, doing too many free sessions or too many free whatever. I would yeah. love to like like talk about that for a second, kind of your perspective on, I think, you know, in today's space, um, I mean, I don't know about, you work with so many different types of entrepreneurs, but I know at least like in my space with like coaching and like nutritionists and everything, people feel this pressure to give out a lot of free stuff to kind of make people come. Um, and then it turns into this resentment where they feel like they're doing everything for free. Uh, how does someone right. find the happy medium between those? Like giving out free content, but also feeling like you're not giving everything away. Totally. And it is such a balanced and beautiful sweet spot because, like you said, the minute we get to resentment, like we've gone too far. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I'm talking my clients through setting up their funnel, like there's always a place where we want to give stuff away, right? So what's the content that's like, you know, a little bit, a taste of your methodology, a taste of your thinking that's going to inspire somebody that's going to plant some 
some seeds to pull at a thread, but not fully pulling at the thread that they can figure it out and you're, you've given away the farm, mm-hmm. but it's making them want more. So what's that sweet spot between like intriguing and then making them want more and then making sure that we have offerings at every level so that we can nurture people throughout the funnel. So, you know, you give the lead gen and you give the, the free whatever for the email acquisition. And then you have the $20 offering and the $200 offering and then, you know, the higher ticket item and then the VIP offering. So you're basically always moving people through and you have something for everybody at every level. But I would say one of the biggest realizations for me has been being fed in this work and feeling like I'm working with people that I am so excited to work with that I really want to give to them and I want to make their lives better. Because there was a point where I was like, especially in the beginning, I was like, okay, I'll just like take everybody that comes through the door whose values weren't aligned with my own and who didn't move through life in the same way that I wanted to. And that impacted the way that I felt about the work. And there I felt resentful, right? Mm -hmm. But I could be giving the same thing to somebody who I'm really aligned with in terms of values and I'm happy to give it to them. So I think it's a little bit of both. It's the sweet spot of how much we're giving away, but then also making sure that we're really excited about the people we're giving to. Yeah. I definitely went through that too. Like about, I mean, when I was seeing clients, I was seeing so many clients, just everybody I could. And then, Um, I just crashed and burned and I felt very resentful because then you start working with people who just aren't ready, you know, and then it's a fight. And then I stopped seeing everybody for a while and I was like, I need to collect myself. Um, I moved, I had to take care of my health, I crashed and burned and then I went back into it and I'm like, now I'm so selective. I see not very many clients um, (laughs) and everybody has to apply and, you know, it's like I can only take people who are ready to work with me. Yeah. are going to put in the work, you know, and I think that is definitely um, an important mindset piece. I talk to other, other people who do the same work as me. And I'm like, honestly, people are afraid to make that shift because they're going to, they think that's less clients, that's less money, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, you know, it's like that, it's that scarcity mindset. I feel like that feeds into it. Totally. And then I don't know if this is true for you too, but when I was taking all the clients and doing all the stuff, because I was feeling fundamentally unfed, like you, I was impacting my health. So then I'm spending extra on all my doctors and healers and supplements, like all that extra money that I'm making is going out the door to try and fill myself up. And I'm like, wow, like you, like if I take a pause, if I'm more strategic about this, I can make as much money, if not more, I can be whole as a human. I can feel really good in my life. Um, I love that you shared that story because now you're, you're, sharing with others the the art of the possible around that. Yeah. Well, and also I think it relates back to how you were saying asking for more money. And that's something that people ask me about all the time. Like, how did you like raise your prices? I'm like, what do you mean? How? Like, I know what I'm worth and I raise more prices and people like, yeah, I just did it. And they're like, well, Mm -hmm. if you have higher prices, less people are going to like pay for it. I'm like, I'm also asking for a higher level of clientele. Like, I'm asking for people who are ready because when you have a lower price, you know, you're going to attract more of the, the client that's not really ready. They're just, you know, putting in less money. Somebody who's going to put down money is investing in their future and they're ready to take the steps because they're not just going to throw away their money. Exactly. I could not agree more. And then I think it also, when being more strategic with your time like that, working with people that light you up and that are committed make space in our calendars, in our minds and our hearts to do other work that we're excited about. Like you have this beautiful podcast, like you're traveling and like, I love speaking and those are things that I want to do and creating and, um, being more strategic with our time and 
being, you know, moving out of that scarcity mindset allows the space for that creativity, which is so important. Yeah, 100%. Um, I also, so in terms of like coaches, I know a lot of people who coach in some way listen to this podcast, whether they be fitness trainers or health coaches or nutritionists or coaching people. And a theme I find, I talk to a lot of my friends about this is like, a lot of coaches need coaches, or they don't yeah. want to admit it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that will just level you up so much. Um, and I see like so many coaches, we just love our work, right? And then you but then you put your clients all before you and then your health starts to fall to the tank, which we kind of alluded to before. So I'm wondering if that's something you cover with your clients, like like maintaining their own health practices to take care of themselves, because I think it's easy for coaches to put everyone else first and then they go on the back burner and then their own health declines. Totally. I could not agree more. And I'm always being coached. And I recognize that to do this work and to do it really well and to always be growing, to always be adding value, that's something that I need to do. And I think any time that we're resistant to that coaching, I think that we're in that space of ego. And we're not thinking about the bigger contribution that we want to give to the world. And I think it's just an opportunity to check ourselves. But yes, to your point, part of my methodology is encouraging everyone that I work with to look at the areas of their life and where they're feeling whole, full and nourished and where they're not. And then designing a plan to really take care of themselves in the context of their work. Because I believe having a successful career, successful life, successful business and successful body are intrinsically tied. Like you're not going to have one without the other. Mm, yeah, 100%. So what are some of the like health practices that you make sure your clients have in place? Yeah. Well, I think everyone's really different and everyone responds really differently to different things. So for me, like my non-negotiables, it's like healthy eating, healthy movement, meditation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can function if I haven't had my supplements and my adaptogens and all those things, but like those three things are like, that's my bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really encouraging people to define like what's the most important to them. Is it sleep? Is it movement? Is it food? And then having like the best case scenario plan and then having the condensed, you know, life happens. These are my non-negotiables that I'll do on these really tough days. But um, and giving them the nimbleness to really play in that range. Yeah, I'm curious a little bit about kind of what your daily routine is like. How do you yeah. manage your everything that you have going on? Yeah. So every, every day is pretty different. Um, so it's summer and I actually just with my coach made a big promise Mm -hmm. that I'm going to really condense my work schedule. So I'm actually going to work three days a week and I'm going to allow two days for creation. So designing these next bodies of work, et cetera. So that was a really big and scary thing for me to pull myself away from the schedule and say, I'm going to do this and do it with integrity. Um, so that's going to that's going to really change my schedule. But, you know, I get up early most days. I'm an early riser. And then the first thing I do is meditation every day. So I'm a Vedic meditator. So I do 20 minutes twice a day. And that's always my first thing. Um, and then some form of like adaptogenic beverage for breakfast um, and then healthy movement, then work. And then I'll pause for meditation in the afternoon as well. And then um, yeah, I would say that and then almost I try to always get eight hours of sleep like I am not I'm not my best self if I'm not sleeping. <laughs> so <laughs> I I agree. You know, for so long I was just kind of like sleep wasn't my top priority. And wow. then a few months ago I was like I told everyone on social media told me kind of I'm like I'm doing an 8-hour sleep challenge and I have to get 8 hours of sleep. And ever since I let my body do that like for a solid stretch, now 
it just has to happen. Like, even if I set an alarm, like, say I go to bed too late and I have to be up at a certain time, I sleep through it. Like, I, ha- I have no control over it anymore. It was, like, once my body, like, got a taste of it, like, it's actually scary because I've always been someone who, no matter how late I wake up or I go to sleep, I can wake up, like, when I when I need to. Like, I'll wake up to the alarm and I'll power through. I was yeah. always like that. And then ever since I did this, it's like, I will literally sleep through my alarm. Like, Unless I have gone eight hours, my body will not wake up, and it actually scares me. I'm freaking obsessed with that. Your body is like, you need to rest, and we are not having it. We are not doing this anymore. Like, we have leveled up, and you need eight hours for it. Exactly, and I notice it's like if I have seven, I just can't function during the day, and that used to be something like when you talk about, you know, picking your priorities. That used to be something that wasn't, and now my (laughs) body is choosing for me. It has to be. Totally. I love that so much. And I believe that our priorities and like our nourishment codes really shift over time. So like every level up in our lives requires a different version of us. And that different version requires different inputs. And so I love that your body is like, Hey, at this point we need sleep. Like maybe it used to be movement before, maybe it used to be meditation, but now it is sleep. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely shifts. Well, I think with all of this work that you do, you know, so much of it is, listening to your intuition and you're clearly very in tune with your intuition um how do you help someone get in touch with that so I think one of the biggest tools I mean everybody's so different right I'll start by saying that but one of the the most instrumental and powerful tools for me was really meditation so like moving ego out of the way moving myself out of the way and just allowing myself to hear and be guided is everything because like I was that person that was forcing life to happen and over controlling, but life wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. But when we move ourselves out of the way and we really connect with that deep guidance, that deep intuition, life, unf- and it's not magic, life unfolds totally differently because we are in that space of flow. We recognize that there's limitless energy um, and connection and we're tapping into it. I so meditation. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. And that's what I tell people too. I think people have a really hard time with it. They have a hard time. There's resistance there. So yes, there definitely can be. I think that we all respond to different types. So meditation was hard for me until I found Vedic. And then literally, like in my first session with Vedic meditation, I literally felt my brain melting. And I, and I was like, okay, this is my form of meditation. But before that, like MBSR, like guided meditations, like it wasn't really connecting for me. But now this is a practice that is like, I can't function without. So I think it's about trial and error and finding our space. And even it's if it's listening to binaural beats, and like you do that once a day, and that's your foray in I just think that there's a version for all of us, we just have to play. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think also, I mean, something I've struggled with, too, that I've thankfully gotten a lot better at but it still can always work on it's just like this idea of slowing down like I think everything is just so go 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 I like I have so many things on my plate I'm like gotta get this done and it was really hard for me like I actively have to t- tell myself okay slow down I still yeah. can always slow down more um and I think a lot of other entrepreneurs feel the same way um I'm curious what kind of advice you have there Yeah, I'm smiling because like, that's one of the hardest things for me too. like slowing down. It's like always been so challenging for me. So when I was saying like, I'm taking two days off a week this summer, it's like the scariest thing for me. Um, But I recognize from my own life, those moments where I do pause, just profound things come through, like I'm able to hear and see so differently. Because if we're always 
if we're always buzzing, if we're always in the fight or flight, if we're always activated, we don't have access to all of our capacity, right? So if we really want to rise up, the route to that really is to slow down. And it's been the hardest advice for me, but I recognize every time I do that, there's a major shift. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I did, God, this was in April. So a couple months ago, I did five days off where I had no technology. So I booked mm-hmm. an Airbnb. I went to another town by the beach. I didn't bring a computer or a phone, like any technology. And it was just me. And like, honestly, the downloads I got, I was like, I need to slow down like this more. That's amazing. I love that you did that. And like Airbnb and like just got out of because I think also getting out of our spaces mm-hmm. is really important because we pattern right. And then we see a visual cue and we're reminded to act a certain way. So I love that you took yourself out of your environment because I think that's even more helpful. Yeah. And speaking of which, that's something else I wanted to talk to you about is I think a lot of people work from home and they might have you know issues that like staying motivated, staying on task or even the opposite. Like you work from home and so work is always here. So you never stop working. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you help people who work from home kind of like manage their day best? Yeah. So it's, I think it's really about designing and like connecting it back to those values and what's important to us. So, you know, if you're a mom, let's say, and it's really important that you disconnect and you spend FaceTime with your kids at the end of the day, I just, it's an invitation to reorient towards those values. So the first thing that we always do is like, is the values exercise. And based on your values, how do you want to design your week? And then, you know, knowing that you have X amount of hours to focus on work and that after that you're going to switch off, we almost show up more fully for the time that we are doing the work. And so it actually becomes this really awesome productivity tool and we're more connected to the other things that we love in our lives too. So it, it all starts with the values. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you uh, f- like follow the idea that there are certain hours in the day when everyone is more productive, like certain working hours? You know, some people say that. Totally. So I think that we are all we all have different patterns for working. So for me, for example, I am very energized and clear at the very beginning of the week. So I'll do all of my thinking work or all of my creative work in the mornings or on Monday, Tuesday, by the end of the week, my brain's a little fried. So I'll leave it for like, you know, the more admin type stuff that I can just sort of mindlessly do. So I encourage people to sit down and like, let's notice your patterns. Like, where are you the most energized? Where are you the most excited? When can you have fuel for these things? And let's design the week against that too. And then the other thing that I'm doing too, is I'm looking at people's like areas of genius and like where the areas are that they shouldn't be spending any time because they're not excellent at them. And it's just a waste of their time. And then helping them resource themselves to fill in the gaps there. That's really important, I think. Okay, talk more about that. How do you help someone do that? Does that mean like hiring someone? It can. It can also mean just like tossing something away because it's not right for you. So um, Gay Hendricks has this book called The Big Leap. And in it, he talks about our zones of genius. So we have four zones that we all operate in. We have our genius, which is like our innate talent that just like comes through us. It's like we don't have to effort to tap into it. It's literally innate. Then we have our zone of excellence. And the zone of excellence is a space that we've like really practiced and put a lot of effort into learning to become good at it. So for me, that was my marketing career. Like I spent, I did my, you know, 10,000 hours according to Malcolm Gladwell and I became very good at it, but it wasn't innate in the same way, you know, coaching is for me. 
And then we have our zone of competence, which is the areas where we're fine, we're competent, we can get by. So like for me, that's like updating my website, like it's fine, like I'm not excellent. Um, And then we have the areas of incompetence. So like these are the areas that we're like inept, we don't have competency there. And it's a waste of our time and our effort and keeps us disconnected from our highest and best. So like, why do we, why are we spending heartbeats in those areas? So sometimes people, so basically I, I map this out and we put it up on the wall and we define the areas that we're living in. Because I want, especially entrepreneurs, well, I want everybody to spend as much time as humanly possible in their genius or their excellence, right? We don't really want to be in the other two zones and most of the time in our genius if we can. And so we map out where they're spending their heartbeats, where they're spending their time. And we identify, you know, do they need to, you know, entirely get rid of a new offering? Do they need to actually create a plan to step into an entirely new career? Do they need to cultivate skills to step into that career? Uh, Or can they hire people to resource themselves um, to feel more supported? What was the name of that book? It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I want to read that. That sounds really interesting. It's a great book. He's also, if you listen to books versus read them, he has a, a I don't know, I really enjoyed his voice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I do like audiobooks. I gotta, gotta fit it in somewhere while I'm walk, exactly. walking around. Um, what about like, we think about like primary foods and secondary foods and like how, how do you make sure that someone is like fulfilled like filling their soul in other ways, I suppose. Like I find that a lot of times entrepreneurs, no social life, for instance, or like no time to like read or just like, you know, spend time with friends or relax. Like they're not filling themselves up in that way. And I don't think people understand how that can affect their work. Totally. So I just pulled out. So I have this journal called the nourishment journal and it's about like, living a full and fulfilling life, basically, in all the different areas of our lives where we're like filled and the areas where we're not taking care of ourselves and it's impacting how we show up. So like I ask people, I have this nourishment meter and I ask people to rank, you know, how they feel about work, how they feel about money, love life, sex life, emotional health, friendships, food, spirituality, community, like all these different areas. And then we go through mindset exercises to see why they might be keeping themselves undernourished in these like, you know, secondary or primary areas if it is. Um, Because most of the time it is connected to beliefs and mindset. Like we don't necessarily feel worthy of, you know, having a social life or joy or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think people, here's the problem. People don't see the connection between these things and how it will improve their business or make them more money. I think if they pull back on work, like it's this workaholic mindset, you know, and like it's really hard for people to believe or trust. Like maybe if I do less work here, I could make more money or if I put more time and energy into my social life, my business could expand. Like, can you break that apart for people? How does that make sense? Like, how can that be true? Yeah, so I will elucidate it through two roots. So there's a lot of research nowadays, like proving that when we take breaks, when we take time off, when we take time for ourselves and things that light us up, our brain actually works differently, our bodies work differently, right? We have access to more creativity, clearer thinking. So leveraging the research to tell that story, but then also leveraging real life examples. Like when I tell a story of a client who was basically not in his zone of genius and working really inefficiently and he was like really weighed down by it. And then when he basically stepped into his genius and resourced himself appropriately, he doubled his business in a year. And so sharing examples like that is really helpful for people to say, okay, you know, maybe I can take this baby step in that direction and then take the next baby step and then the next baby step. But yes, people need to oftentimes see to believe. Yeah. 
and you have to trust on some level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is those self-limiting beliefs, like these stories that we've, it's like, oh, well, that could happen for them, but not for me. It's like, why not? Right, exactly. Why not? It like, absolutely can't. block you've created? Yep. Yeah. I'm like, I'll tell, I'll literally, I'll tell people, I'm like, you're not that special. Like, if it works right. for other people, you're not that special. It's, it can right. work for you. Like, you're not the only exception. Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, what about with creatives? Um, do you have any tips for like breaking through blocks? I think that's pretty common. Like, you know, when you're so stressed out about like wanting to, you know, make money, for example, and people get blocked, whatever their, whatever their work is. Um, how do you help someone get re-inspired again and move through that? Okay. So like, I love a good process. You're probably realizing. (laughs) So I have this four step process that's like, okay, what's the story that you're telling yourself here? So the story might be like creatives never make any money or like what's the fear that you're telling? What's the fear behind this story too? Is it like that if I, you know, put my stake in the ground and I step into my creative career and I fail, no one's going to love me. Like what's the fear there? And then I invite them to find the mindset block that's in there. So either it's a limiting belief, it's an upper limit, you know, it's fixed mindset. So then I walk them through that and we find where that limiting belief is. And then we can change our minds. Like thanks to neuroplasticity, we can literally change our brains and if, you know, how we believe and how we see the world. And so this is a great opportunity for that. So then I invite them to find examples where their theory is debunked from their real life. So for example, like we were talking about like, Oh, you know, creatives never make any money. And, you know, that's totally a limiting belief. And I learned it in the family system because my dad always used to say, like, creatives don't make money, you know, be an engineer, whatever the story is. And then I invite them to find, you know, four, three or four examples from their life where they were a creative that made money or knew a creative that made money. So, you know, if there was a time when somebody commissioned them for work or, you know, their best friend is like an award winning multimillion dollar artist, whatever it is. But I want you to find those living, breathing examples from your life or somebody close to you to prove to your brain that your old theory isn't true. I and love then- that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so helpful because right then there we're like, oh my God, that was a story. Yeah. Yeah. What about in today's space, this story that you have to have a big social media following to make money? Cause I think that's a pretty common one. People will be like, oh, I can't get clients. I don't have a social media following. And I'm like, um, you don't need one. Right. So I love that you say that. It's so true. I mean, I have friends and there's people that I have coached with that have a much smaller following. You know, maybe they're not even that active on social media and they are printing money. Mm-hmm. It's the two are not connected. You know, I think the biggest thing when we're thinking about money is like, are there any mindset blocks? Of course. But then where are the places and spaces that we show up that we know we can be the most impactful? We know that we can con- connect and convert people eventually, right? So if somebody notices when they give a workshop, people really love experiencing them live and they want to learn more and they want to come into a session, then I'm like, then you show up in those workshops. You don't worry about your social media. Or like when they give a talk or, you know, or some people really need referrals. So I just, I think an opportunity to be in discovery about where people connect with you the most and then show up in those places. I don't think it's at all about social media. Yeah. I think it's just like thinking outside the box, you know, I mean, I think people just have, like they, they see and they just want to copy. Well, that's easiest, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is the easiest. Also tends to be the worst because when you are trying to be a copy, I mean, I think people are attracted to authenticity 
You know, it's like that. It's that simple. And so if people sniff out that you're just copying someone else, whether that be with content or even your approach, it's this, even if they don't know why, it's like this subconscious, I don't know, they won't be as attracted to you. I could not agree more. And I think it's because we don't show up fully in that work, right? It's not connected to our values and who we really are. We're writing through somebody else's voice or somebody else's lens Mm -hmm. and people receive that and feel that and it impacts your numbers for sure. 100%. Well, I love it. Um, Do you have any last tips for people? Um, Any coaches or creatives or entrepreneurs that we haven't covered that you wanted to put in here? Such a great question. I love this this um, point that you ended on that really the the best marketing tactic we can ever you know, employ is to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. Literally, when we're rooted in our authenticity, when we're telling a story in a way that is really true to us, and when we're lit up about it, we are so magnetic. You don't need any tricks. You don't need any hacks. What you need is to be yourself and be that in the places where people can connect with you and see it and experience it. That is by far and away the best things that we can do for ourselves and our businesses. I love it. It gives me chills. Like, it's true. It's like you are magnetic. You are. I am magnetic. People are like so attracted to you. It's because like you're having a great time and you're being yourself. And of course, like versus us, like, you know, putting on the three piece suit and the pantyhose and being who we're not. And then people aren't attracted to it because we're not even buying into it ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's just a really another way to say confidence. Like people struggle with confidence. And I'm like, you, if you are just authentically yourself and you're like connected with your purpose, like you've talked about before, it's not about like becoming confident. That's just naturally what it is because you're connected with your purpose and you're aligned. Right. Exactly. It's a byproduct. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with me. You have such good energy, great aura. I freaking oh, love it. You. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. This was so fun. I know. I'm like, I'm obsessed with you. You're amazing. So tell everyone where, where they can find more from you, where they can get more of your content if they want to work with you, where they can learn more. Amazing. Thank you. So you can follow along on Instagram. It's at Amina Altai. And I'm sure the spelling will be in the show notes, but it's M-I-N-A-A-L-T-A-I. And my website is the same thing. And I just launched my nourishment journal, which is really fun. If you wanted to kind of like dig into this work for the first time, it's a great place to start. Um, And then I do coaching and I have a couple digital programs. So I hope to meet more of you through either social media or the website. I'm sure they will run over there. All right. Well, thank you again so much. I had so much fun chatting with you. Me too. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you so much to Amina for coming on the podcast and sharing all of her knowledge. I hope you guys enjoyed that one as much as I did. Don't forget to share this episode if you enjoyed it. Share it on social media. Send the link to family, friends, anyone around you. Just spread the love and if you do share it on social media make sure to tag me tag amina and tag wellness realness podcast if you're not already in our facebook group make sure you join wellness realness podcast tribe to connect with other listeners and if you haven't already please 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 leave a rating and a review on itunes it really helps me spread the word about the show and helps us grow our awesome community that's going to be it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time. Bye.